0: Well, you ready to dive in some deep water? You know, lately there's been these videos circulating on Facebook of all these Canadians showing people how it's done, where they dive into snow with just their swimsuits on and then swim around. Who does that? People polar dipping on New Year's Day. It's crazy. Well, we're going to dive into the story of Jonah. That's what we're doing for the month of January. It's a very well-known story in the Old Testament. It's a story that most people have heard something about, but most people haven't heard the whole story. Dana kicked it off last week, and Can I just say, she knocked it out of the park. It was awesome. I wanted her to finish the whole series. But (laughs) apparently, you guys pay me to do something around here too. So, and... It, but it was great. It was a great start off. And so I do encourage you, like me, I caught up online. So I encourage you to go and listen to it through our website or iTunes. I was really challenged by her opening to this to this series. But, Jonah, if you ask someone on the street, someone unfamiliar with the Bible, someone unfamiliar with the whole church thing, maybe not even interested, you ask them, you say the word Jonah, and there's a pretty strong chance they're going to come up with something to do with a storm, a ship, and a big old fish. Right? You run into someone that has, maybe they went to Sunday school as a child, or maybe they're part of church circles, maybe they've heard this story before, and you'll probably get a bit more detail. You'll hear about this prophet who had a job to do, uh, that God gave him a job to do, but he ran away, and as a result got swallowed by the big old fish. But then when he got spit out on shore, he carried on with the mission, and the people that God sent him to repented, and there was great rejoicing, and everything was awesome. And that's where the story ended. For most of the flannel graphs that some of us grew up with in Sunday school or the stories we've heard in some children's books, that's kind of how the story ends. And for many of us, we kind of think that's how the story ends. You know, they say that very few people actually finish the books that they started. Anyone guilty of that? Like not finishing the book you started? Well, apparently this has been true of the book of Jonah for quite a while. People have made it to the end of chapter 3, but have never proceeded on to chapter And as a result, haven't heard the full story with this kind of riveting clincher at the end. It's a shame because it's actually in the final chapter of Jonah that we figure out what's going on. It gives or makes sense, really, of the whole rest of the story. So what we're doing through this series is we're trying to hear the story of Jonah again, or maybe for the first time, and we're going to do it through the lens of the last chapter, through kind of what we learn about what's really going on In the story, and through this very famous story, God is going to challenge us personally and as a church to get on with His mission to the world. But we need to recap a little bit. You remember last week? Some of you don't because you weren't here. So we're going to catch up together. So I'm going to kind of pull us back a little bit, and then we'll we'll move forward. The the book of Jonah opens up like this: The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, "Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it." Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. Ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. God says, go one way, and Jonah runs in the absolute opposite direction. And the obvious question, of course, is, why? Why would he run? Why did he do that? Now, I know last week I had an opportunity to throw out some questions, and you came around. That was one of the big questions that was raised. Well, let's be reminded here. Did Jonah run because he was afraid? Maybe he was a little bit afraid of those guys. But that's not why he ran. He didn't run because he was afraid. Did he run because he was too busy that day? Not likely, considering what he chose to do was a trip five times further than Nineveh. Did he run because he disagreed with God's judgmental attitude? (laughs) No, he was kind of hoping for it, actually. Jonah ran for one reason, one reason only. He wanted Nineveh to be destroyed. The Assyrians, you understand, could star in an episode of history is nastiest people. I've listened to history professors and podcasts that are unrelated to the Bible have said, man, you line up all the tyrannical monsters of history. And beside these guys, they look like barnyard pets. These guys were nasty. They were awful. If I could tell you some of the things they did to their enemies, you would be squirming. It would be awful. We wouldn't have lunch today. It was unspeakable stuff. More to their point, they had made it their personal business to wreak havoc and bring ruin on the people of Israel, on Jonah's own people. He hated these guys. And if they had finally stumbled into the crosshairs of God's judgment, then bring it on, baby! That's what we've been hoping for! Finally, God is gonna do something! It's about time! So when God told Jonah to go and tell the Ninevites that judgment was coming, this could only mean one thing in Jonah's mind. Only one thing. Horror of all horrors, it could mean that there was still a chance, however slim, that this nation could be saved. You see, Jonah knew that if he went and warned the Assyrians of what was coming, of God's impending judgment... That they might, they just might take his warning seriously and repent. And that, my friends, would be awful, Jonah's thinking. That would be the worst news ever. He wants to see these people burned. He wants to see them destroyed. He wants to see them ruined. He wants to see justice and righteousness come, finally, recompense. And yes, a little bit of revenge in there, too, because they deserved it. Many times over, they deserved it. This is how Jonah is feeling. And how do we know all that? Did I just kind of dream that up? Was that something I read between the lines of the story? No, it's actually in the chapter no one ever reads. Chapter 4, at the end. We hear it really clearly. At the end, Jonah is sulking and he's angry. Angry enough to die, he says, because his absolute worst nightmare has come true. The Ninevites... Ugh. They did repent. And God, oh, He did relent. And the judgment He said would come, didn't come. And Jonah is so ticked off. And when God asks him why, this is what he says, I quote, from chapter 4. you got to get the right tone on this when you read it. Don't read it in a bland, monotone voice. You've got to get the attitude. Listen to this. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord. That is why I ran away to Tarshish. Well, there's the answer to the question why I ran away. Here it is. Listen to this. Got to get the tone. Jonah. I knew you are a merciful and compassionate God. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Jonah ran because he knew the character of God a little too well. And you know, can I just, just just, for a side note here say, doesn't that surprise some of you who have long heard, maybe from friends or maybe you yourself have struggled with it, that this so-called God of the Old Testament is this awful judgmental character who likes to walk around crushing people? That's not true. That's not who God is. This is who God is. And Jonah knew it. And he ran. Because he didn't want to see grace and mercy come to people who didn't deserve it. People who had judgment coming for all the right reasons. People so sick and twisted that all they deserved was judgment. God called them to go and Jonah ran. But God does not let him go. God chases him down. God sends a mighty storm and through a bit of bargaining with the sailors, eventually off the plank, Jonah goes into the drink thinking he's going to his watery grave, which, let's be honest, I think he was kind of hoping for. Because when it comes right down to it, Jonah would much rather be dead at sea than alive on land if it meant the Ninevites were going to catch it from God. Right? Small price to pay. I'll die if I could somehow, you know, God said he's going to destroy it, but I can somehow delay that warning long enough that people get judged anyway. Hey, my death, small price to pay. Now that, folks, is giving your life for a mission. (laughs) So over Jonah goes, but God does not let him go. We know what happened. This is the part of the story everyone kind of remembers. What happens? Jonah gets swallowed by a big old fish. Well, it doesn't say whale. Do you realize that? A lot of us say whale. I make whale jokes all the time in this sermon series, but... God provided, it says, a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. You know, God sent the storm in the first place to get Jonah into the water, but then he sends his fish to save him out of the water. I think, frankly, Jonah would have been a little disappointed at this moment. Because it can only mean one thing when a fish swallows you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, kay, K- could meet a couple things. <laughs> but when he realized he was alive down that slimy chute, he realized, oh, I still am going to have to go. Well, now what happened? We'll get back to that in a moment. Before we go on, let me just kind of bring you up to speed on why we're exploring this story here at the church anyway, here in the new year. You know, a couple times a year, we try to kind of take a time out, pause and remember. We usually do it at the start of September, here at the start of January, maybe other times in the year. We kind of try to pull back for a moment, regain perspective, and remind ourselves what are we all about as a church? What is the Erickson Covenant Church about? What are we all about as Christians? Like, what's the core? What's the center? Kind of reestablish some perspective on the vision and the mission that God has given us. Now, it is no secret, if you've been around here for any amount of time, you know that at the Erikson Covenant Church we are committed to helping people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's the core of everything that we do. It's something that we don't hide. It's something that we we, we plan around. We are committed to helping people find and then follow him. It's the very focus of everything we do. When we gather to worship Jesus, here is a whole community, whether we gather on Sundays or gather in our smokers, when we gather, we gather because we believe that as we worship Jesus, who's worthy of our worship, we are actually helping one another follow Jesus. It's true. That there's something significant important about when we gather and we are reminded of who Jesus is and we celebrate his love for us and we, we're reminded of what really matters and we're also reminded of what doesn't and we encourage one another with words that God is giving to us and we, we, we stand with each other and we pray for each other. There's something significant that happens. We're helping each other follow Jesus. But do you know what? We're also committed right here in our gatherings to help people find Jesus. We're, we're aware that there are some of us, some of you, who are... In a journey, we're all on a journey, but specifically a journey of discovering who Jesus is. We're maybe not too sure yet if we're ready to follow Jesus. Maybe we're just exploring what that is. And we want to be the kind of church that actually helps you make that journey. And some of you are here today who can say that you actually found Jesus, that you were helped to find Jesus right here, right in this room, in fact. Right, maybe during a, when a song was singing or during an alpha program or during something going on, you were actually helped to find, and to follow Jesus. It's what we're all about. It's what we program for. It's what we staff for. It's what we raise money for. It's why we do connect groups. It's, it's why we pursue what we pursue. It's, it's why we give what we give. We want everything that we do as a community, everything we do as a church, to help people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's the core of who we are. We do that because we believe with all our hearts that every single person matters. Every man that you work with, every woman that you share life with or have coffee with, every kid that you run into during the week or maybe you raise in your own home or you have in your own classroom or you share a desk with. Every person you know and I know. And those we don't even yet know. Every single person matters to God. He stamped them with his image and he desires them for his own. We believe that to the core of who we are. And so we align ourselves around God's heart for the world. We align ourselves as a community around his mission. To see people find Jesus and follow Him. God has given us a mission and we want to be faithful to it. But, if we are honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, we can be guilty of running away from the mission that God has given us. Like Jonah, we can hear God's call in our lives. We can, we can understand God's call in our church. God's command to go. And we can say, I don't want anything to do with that. And we can run in the opposite direction. Now, maybe it could be that for some of us, we run away for very similar attitudes that Jonah has. Maybe there are people in our lives that we feel like they don't deserve God's grace. I I want to see them judged. I don't want to see them come... I don't want to see God forgiving that sin, the way that they hurt me, the way they betrayed me. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see them experience you know, at least some judgment. Or maybe, excuse me, maybe it's a a people group. You know, I say this with sadness in my heart. I have talked to Christians who are so fearful of Muslims that they bought into this idea that they should stay away from them out of fear of what they... Now, typically those are people who have never even met a Muslim. Certainly have never had one in their home. They don't have friendships with them. I just want to say that on the side. But they bought into this idea that somehow these people should be feared. Instead of gone to with love and grace and friendship. And maybe they have chosen to run away from the very mission that God is sending to us as God moves peoples around in the world and we find right in our backyard, right in our streets we find people of different religions different nationalities the mission is coming to us and god is sending us to them and we find ourselves running away because we're perhaps afraid or maybe we think they deserve god judgment or or whatever so we could we can actually have similar attitudes that that jonah had but i think more often for us we run away from god's mission to save people because let's be honest we don't really think people need saving It sounds weird doesn't it kind of archaic kind of strange That somehow, you know, we believe in Jesus, or at least some of us do, and deep down, do we really think that in the end, it isn't just going to all be okay anyway? That God isn't going to, you know, he's a bit of a softy. He's just going to say, I know you've rejected me, I know you want nothing to do with me, but now I'm going to force myself on you in grace or something like that. We think that somehow, people aren't going to be separated from God forever because they've rejected him rejected the one who has loved them. And so we can run from the mission because we don't really believe that anything's really up for grabs. There's no real stakes in this game. Or maybe it's even more subtle than that. We can run from God's mission because we just don't like the idea of having to speak up, of having to change, of having to share the story of God's grace in our lives, of having to move out of our comfort zone. we were kind of uncomfortable personally with some of the implications of what it would mean to, to actually bring God's mission into our friendships, into our workplace. To actually have God mess around with our budgets and our lives. We don't like that. And so we run away. Maybe we run away because we feel so busy and this just feels like another thing that we're being told to do. Or maybe it just feels like it's going to cost us too much. Or, Or perhaps we run because we think someone else should be responsible for that. Someone with more gifts than me. The pastors or something. Or that guy over there. He's such a great talker rather than realizing the mission that God has given is to each one of us. The fact is, God can say, go, and we can say, no. That happens all the time. We can do that individually, You can do that as a church. Now, personally, this is a continual challenge for me. When God says to me, go, God says, go, go to that person, invite that person, speak up engage, love them, sacrifice yourself, lay lay your life down, spend time, spend more time with your kids, talk about what matters. And I can find excuses to run away, to do my own thing, to dabble in my own hobby or just busy my life with other things. Anyone find themselves in similar spots sometimes? And as a church or our church, church in general, we can get busy with our own stuff too. It's unbelievable, I know, but do you know that churches can actually begin to think that the church exists to serve them? Do you know that that can happen? That people who are part of the church can begin to imagine that the agenda of the church is to serve their needs? It can happen, folks. Rather than realizing that the mission of the church is actually to equip people who follow Jesus to be in the mission of God in reaching other people. That we don't gather at the church, but we gather as the church so that we can be equipped, so that we can regain perspective, so that we can get on with the mission that God has called us into. Somehow, and this is kind of the burden of my heart today, the burden of this message, somehow God's own people, typified in Jonah, He's representative, really, of God's people. Somehow, God's own people have been called by God's grace to be his emissaries of grace in the world. Somehow, we can lose track of the mission. We can become so content and comfortable in God's gift of grace to us That we can forget that the whole purpose of what God is doing in us is to create a community of people who, having been made alive by Christ, are now going out into their relationships, into their schools, into their workplace, into their hobbies, into their lives, and they're bent on helping everyone they can discover the grace of God for them. Sharing what God has done in our lives for the sake of others. We can forget that. We can forget God's grace. God can say go and we can say no. But here's what we find in this story of Jonah, which I find both encouraging and terrifying all at the same time. God doesn't just let us wander off. He will not let us off the hook. He doesn't let his church ignore his mission for very long. God runs his people down. (laughs) He will run you down. He will run me down. Because he loves me. But he also is committed to doing something in us that is greater than we could imagine. God will get us back on track. God sees Jonah run and he goes after him. And the whole story of Jonah is this testimony of God's awesome uh, creation swaying grace that God does whatever he has to do. Sends a storm, sends a fish, other things that go on in this story to get Jonah back on mission Because God is willing to do whatever it takes to see grace come to those who need it most, even when his own people don't want to give it to them. This is true for me. This is true for you. This is true for our church. This is true for the world that God is calling us into. And so Jonah finds himself now deep in the depths, in pitch darkness, slashing around, I had to have stunk down there. He was completely alone. The stomach acid was probably getting a little itchy, if you know what I'm saying. He has been utterly stopped by God. Now what? What do you do when you've finally been stopped? When maybe circumstances in your life have brought you to a halt. What do you do? Maybe you do exactly what Jonah did. He prays. I could imagine it was a long prayer, but what we get is sort of the edited version afterwards. It's found in chapter 2 of Jonah. Let me read it for you. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and this is what he said. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths. Into the very heart of the seas, the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. What's this prayer all about? It's kind of a weird prayer. God puts Jonah in a nasty place. I think so that Jonah will experience all over again God's rescuing power. And this prayer is very interesting. He actually draws it from Psalms, from that worship book of God's people. There's like 150 songs and prayers that were collected get together. Jonah, you could say, just strings together a bunch of stuff From the Psalms. Stuff that he already knows to be true. There's actually nothing original in this prayer. You can find every single line of it in the Psalms. It's kind of like Jonah gets into this dark place. And then he reaches back into his own history. Into his own memory. and Into his own spiritual upbringing. And he prays out of that story. And I think this is so important. Because what it shows us is that, see, Jonah had forgotten his own story. He'd forgotten his own rescue. He'd forgotten the rescue of God's people. He'd forgotten that God had rescued them and called them to be a light to the nations. He he forgot how God had reached down and saved them out of the pit. And as he recognized this in his life, he began to see that this grace that God had shown them and was now showing him is the same grace that was willing to reach into a pit and pull out, well, just about anyone. Jonah had forgotten his story. And here, in the belly of this fish, he remembers. And he worships. And he prays. And he comes to the point at the end where he says, I'm going to do what I vowed I would do. Salvation comes from the Lord. God, Jonah finally remembers, is all about grace. He's all about rescue. He's all about saving people. And yes, Jonah has a ways to go yet. We're going to see. He's certainly not there. But here in the belly, there seems to be a sense in which he's now willing to re-engage the mission of God. Well, what does that mean for us? I think in order to get us back on mission, God is willing to stop us. God's willing to stop us. He's willing to stop us so that we can finally remember what story we're part of. He's willing to stop us so we can remember what He has done for us and in our lives and how He has saved us and how He's brought us through and how He's adopted us and the grace He's poured into us. And He wants us to remember that because There's times when I think we've forgotten it. That somehow as we've moved along our merry way, we've lost touch with the fact of what it was like to need rescue, to be seriously messed up, to know that we have no hope outside of God. And having somehow lost touch with that, we can begin to adopt judgment and harshness and negativity toward others who need the same rescue we needed. God stops us so we can remember. He stops us so we can remember his mission to us is the same mission he has for others. That God longs to bring every man and woman and child into a full experience of his grace and his love. And I believe, I just want to call it out, I think here at the start of 2017 that there are some of us in particular that God wants to stop in our tracks. Either because you've been running away from the mission Or you frankly have just been dawdling around and haven't been going after it. And God says, I've got a mission for you. I've got a mission for all of you. And sometimes he's got to step in and stop us so that we can remember what our mission is. So he can get us quiet enough or needy enough or in a dark enough place that we finally turn our attention to his grace again. We finally remember what he's called us for. So, my question is, have you been running? If you think of 2016, was it a year where you were running away from God's call in your life? Was it a year where you were kind of dabbling in things around the Erickson Covenant Church, knowing that our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus, but you kind of thought, yeah, it sounds great, a bit too catchy for me. I, you know, the seats are now comfortable, so I don't mind coming as often, but I really don't feel like that's for me. It's good for my kids, maybe. Every once in a while, a guy comes up with a decent message I can kind of kick around during the week. But really, to align my life around the mission of helping people find and follow Jesus, it's a bit too much. Is that what your 2015, 2016 was like? Have you been running from the mission that God has given you if you're a follower of Jesus? There's no debate. That's the mission God has called us to go into. But we can say no over and over again. Are you going to wait until God has to really stop you? I wouldn't. <laughs> it's gross. Are you going to wait until there's some crisis? Where your kids hate your guts? Or you, or, or, you, or you realize you've just wasted years frittering it away on nothing that matters? Is that what you're going to wait for? till you realize, I've just spent time and energy and years of my life on things that have served myself but have not served that ultimate purpose, have not made a difference in the world, have not changed anything at all. Is that what you're going to wait for? To realize with despair that you can't get those years back? You're going to keep running? I hope not. For your sake, I hope not. For the sake of other people, I hope not. For the sake of this church, I hope not. God's going to stop us, I believe it, one way or the other. But you know what's amazing? We know from the whole story of Scripture, we can also take part in this stopping business. We can stop. We can realize that we've been running. We can turn around. That's called repentance. It's right in the central to the whole story of Scripture. That God calls and His people and anyone, people who don't even acknowledge God, can realize and hear the call and they can turn around and they can begin to come toward Jesus. They can begin to follow His will and His call. We can stop and we can turn around. We can stop and we can recognize that we've been pursuing things that don't matter and we can actually get in line with what God wants to do in our lives, and in our family, in our church, in our valley. We can stop. We can remember. and We can re-engage the mission. So here at the start of the new year, I want to challenge you to run toward the mission of God, to run after His mission. I want to challenge you to say, I'm going to get in this year. I'm going to actually invest myself into the things that matter. I'm going to invest myself into kids and helping them find and follow Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to begin to re-examine schedules and my, my priorities, that I, things that I put into my life so that I can actually give energy and use my gifts in a way that actually helps people move down the line in discovering God's love for them and being released from the things that hold them back and discovering that there's a bigger world, the bigger vision that God has for their lives, I'm going to actually begin to invest my life into that. I'm going to say yes to God's call. I'm going to stop running away. I'm going to to begin to give real and true energy to my family. For those of us who are still actively raising children, for those of us who maybe our children have moved off, but we've got grandkids, we've got kids at a distance, I'm going to begin to give more energy to them. I'm going to pray for them more regularly. I'm going to take time with them and spend time with them and realize how precious and how important and how significant my role in bringing God into the mix and praying and leading them. I'm I'm going to step up into that. I'm going to stop doing my own thing i to actually invest in the family that God has given to me. I'm going to pray for God's heart, for people around me who don't know Him. I'm going to pray for the lost people in my life the lonely people around me, the people that everyone's ignoring. I might not even know who they are, but I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to ask God to reveal them to me. And I'm going to ask for the courage to step in, to reach out. I'm going to make God's Word central in my life. I'm going to stop filling my mind constantly with Netflix and YouTube and Facebook and other things. Not that those things are all evil and I have my share but I'm going to make sure God's Word is first in my life. I'm going to make sure that it's the Word of God that's being filtered through my heart and my mind. It's, it's actually His story that's shaping the imagination of my heart and my mind. I'm going to make decisions on a daily and a weekly basis to make sure that I'm listening to the call of God in my life so I'm saying yes to His call and not no to His mission. I'm going to begin to speak to others of the grace of Jesus in my life, to open that door of friendship that I've been holding off, to begin to walk in the relationships that God has given me, I'm going to say yes to his call. I'm going to stop running away from the mission and start running after God's mission to the world. And so my question for us as we close today is exactly that. Which way are you going to run? Which way are you going to run? In this story, Jonah runs away. And to be honest with you, I think he drug his heels all the way back to Nineveh. But let's just imagine for a moment that he turned around and ran the other direction. Which way are you going to run? Are you going to run from or run after God's mission this year? Because I believe that's the heart that God wants to create in us instead of running away from the mission of God, trying to get as far as possible away, that we turn ourselves around as a community, as a church, and we say, we are going to hoof it in the direction of God's mission. We are going to make tracks to the people that God has called us to love. We're going to say, no holds barred, take off whatever's holding us back, and we are going to run in the path That God has called us into. That's the question that God is asking us. From the story of Jonah. Here at the beginning of 2017. Why? Because I believe with all my heart. That God has a vision for our valley. He wants people to discover him. It's not complicated. But I think we often have sort of forgotten. That that's what he's all about that today when we leave this place and we drive, whichever direction you drive, that the people on the highway that you pass by and the people you see on the streets and the people you see at a restaurant and the people you run into tonight and tomorrow morning, that every single one of them, without exception, has been created in the image of God and God desires them. The question is, are we going to run after that or are we going to run away? Let's run after it. Let's run after it. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you ran after the mission your Father had given you to come and be one of us, to live the life we couldn't live and die the death we couldn't die. You ran after us like a lost sheep out in the wilderness. You left the rest behind and you came after us. You tore the house apart looking for us. You did whatever it took to rescue us from the pit, from the belly, from the dark. Jesus, in your grace, in your power, in your wisdom, you have called us as your people to be about your mission. And we confess to you, Lord Jesus, that we have sinned by running away from your mission. By hearing your call and going the other direction. We confess that to you as sin and we repent. And we ask that you would stop us, that you would turn us around, that you would give us the courage and the strength to run after the mission you've given to us. And that by your grace and in your mercy, we would see men and women and children discover your love for them and come alive in you and realize that they are loved, that they are purposeful, that they have been set on a path of life. Would you instill that deep in our hearts, both personally and as a church, so that we can really truly run after your mission? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, may God give you grace this week. And as we all leave, may each one of us hear the voice of Jesus calling us to follow him into his mission. God bless you. Great week.